Please join me in our prayer of illumination. Spirit of God, there is nowhere that you are not. You support the universe with your grace. You sustain every creature by your mercy. You saturate our lives with your love. Open now our hearts and minds to receive your word so that we can discover you in the ordinary and overlooked and find our place and play our part in your work of hope. Through Jesus Christ, who is all and in all. Amen. Our first reading scripture is from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. We'll read chapter 1 through verse from 11 to 23, and it's found on page 1064 of the Pew Bibles, if you wish to follow along. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were first the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also. When you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, this is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people. To the praise of his glory, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. 
as we think about the saints who have come before us, saints uh, living and also passed on, saints who uh, are here present with us today, saints who are joining us by live streaming, uh, saints who are over in the net service, uh, brothers and sisters over there. Uh, we give thanks for all of them as we turn to our uh, Old Testament lesson, which comes from the Psalms. It is Psalm 23, familiar and comforting words. Listen now for the word of God to the church on this All Saints Sunday. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this psalm is probably the most familiar and beloved journey in all of Scripture. The poet perceives that God, the good shepherd, is leading him along the road of life, leading him to green pastures, leading him beside still waters, leading him in right paths for God's sake. Path also leads this Hebrew poet into dangerous situations, down into the valley of the shadow of death, across guarded boundaries into the presence of enemies. The life of faith, we are told, follows a path that is charted by God, and it is something that can only be experienced on the way. And there is peril and vulnerability down this path, but there is also love and hope, goodness and mercy and restoration. There are twists and turns in this path, but it ultimately takes us to the house of the Lord. So there's a story that I've been waiting for the right moment to tell you, and it seems that today is the day. It starts in 1976 when I was a second grader in Greensboro, and I learned one of my first lessons about what it means to be out on the path. My parents were building a new house for our family, but the sale of our current home had closed before our new one was ready. So for about a week, we stayed in a lovely establishment on Battleground Avenue known as the Journey's End Motel. Now, it was a motel in the truest sense of the word. It was a motor lodge right out of the 1950s, had no interior hallways. All of the rooms opened out onto the parking lot. And you may have some kind of rough images in your mind of motels that you have known in your life. But from my perspective, the Journey's End Motel was a glorious adventure. And the thing that sealed the deal for me was that the TV in our room got about 20 channels. 
Now, how quaint does that sound uh, today? 20 channels. But to a second grader in the 1970s, this was a decadent, decadent thing. And when we got word that our new house was finished, we'd been there for about a week, mom and dad made the arrangements for me to take my new bus to the new house for the first time. I got on that bus from Bessemer Elementary just fine, and I got off at the right stop just about half a block from our new house, and and I walked up to the back door of the house as I had been told to do, and I found it was open, entered into our fresh new yellow kitchen, and no one was there. I called into the house and got no answer. I looked around in the yard and there was no one there either. The plan had clearly been for my mom to be there when I got home. And it was a puzzle. So I immediately put my eight-year-old brain to work on this puzzle, and I arrived at what seemed to be the only conclusion that unassailable kid logic could find. I quickly concluded that my mom must be back at the Journey's Inn Motel packing up the rest of our stuff. And if that was the case, logic also dictated that the only response would be for me to go and meet her there. So I started walking. Turning right out of our driveway, I walked about 10 blocks to the end of our street. Taking another right onto Cone Boulevard, I walked a long way to Battleground Avenue, which was one of the busiest commercial streets in Greensboro. And that was when the sidewalks ended, because no one in his or her right mind would be walking on Battleground Avenue in Greensboro. So to stay out of the five lanes of busy traffic that were off to my right, I hopped over prickly bushes, and I traversed parking lots, and all told, it was a walk of about three miles. I have no idea how long that walk took, because I was having the time of my life. I was out on the road of life. I knew my parents would be so proud of me, having solved this mystery and taken such good care of it all by myself. And there were new discoveries around every turn. I remember particularly finding one of those old bicycle flags. Remember the the little orange triangles that used to go off of old bikes? I had never had one. My Schwinn Stingray was direly in need of one. So I, I found this thing, and it was sort of a flag, although the flag was long gone. And then the Even the pole was broken. You know, the fiberglass was kind of shattered. I didn't care. It was still a treasure that I was never going to leave there on the sidewalk. So for the rest of the way, I was like Moses, uh, you know, with with my flexible orange staff, parting traffic at major intersections. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. And I, as an eight year old, was conquering the world. Of course, when I got to my journey's end, the journey's end motel, I found that the door to our room was locked. I knocked and there was no answer. So lesser minds may have determined at that point that my mom is at the motel hypothesis had been disproved, but I knew much better. She must have taken another load over to the house, I concluded. Surely she would be back soon. Best to just wait it out right here. 
So I walked over to the motel office and I pulled the heavy door open and I couldn't really see over the counter, but I could see the little bellhop bell. So I reached up and gave it a little ring. And after a while, a dazed employee came out from the back office and he kind of peered over the counter, wondering what in the world this eight-year-old was doing in the office. Can I have a key to room 104, I said. (laughs) He never even looked at the book, you know, never even said if there's anybody in there. He just went over to the wall, grabbed 104 and said, here. I guess he knew I must know what I was doing. I must belong there. I never would be asking for the key in the first place. So I walked across the, uh, the parking lot, you know, past the outdoor uh, swimming pool with the chain link fence, and I opened room 104, and it was completely clean and completely empty. Once again, I refused to accept the evidence that I was wrong. My irrefutable kid logic said my mom would be coming back soon. Why don't I just stay here? Besides, Felix the cat was coming on this fully loaded cable TV. (laughs) So I settled in to wait for her. Now, obviously, what I have shared with you so far is only one side of this story. As a child, I was walking an amazing path of discovery and adventure. The sun was shining. There were green pastures all around me. But as a parent, I know all too well that my parents were at the very same time on a very, very different kind of path. They were in a dark valley trying desperately to find answers. Had I gotten on the wrong bus? Had anyone seen me in the neighborhood? All they knew for sure was that they had absolutely no idea where I was. So as it turned out, my mom had been a few doors down meeting one of our new neighbors when I walked into the kitchen. The bus had come earlier than she thought that it would. So while I was hopping bushes along the edge of Battleground Avenue, my mom was calling in an alert for a missing child. While I was asking for the key to room 104, a family friend was trying to track down my school bus driver. While I was watching cartoons in the motel room, my mom was sitting in a police car, listening to officers on the radio describe the little red jacket that I had worn to school that day. It's really hard for me to imagine the fear and the trembling that they must have been experiencing. In those moments, they desperately needed a shepherd who could find them in the darkness, who could lead them back to the comfort and safety of green pastures and still waters. It was the middle of my third episode of Felix the Cat (laughs) that the green rotary phone in the motel room rang. And when I answered it, there was a stunned silence on the other end of the line, and then a woman's voice that sounded vaguely familiar to me asked incredulously, Peter, is that you? And when I said yes, her instructions were very quick and very concise and very urgent. Stay right there. Slam. (laughs) And less than a minute later, I began to hear sirens outside. Could this day get any better? (laughs) 
And I ran to the door to see what was going on, and I watched as several police cars squealed into the parking lot with lights flashing, sirens blaring, and this was, I knew, the greatest day in the history of the world. And then I recognized my dad's car pulling in with one of the police cars, and somehow the thought had occurred to him, as crazy as it might be, that I might just have walked all the way back to the Journey's End Motel. I had been lost, but now I was found. Yesterday, in a powerful and personal memorial service, we bore witness to the resurrection of Lori Blackburn. The last time I spoke alone with Lori was a week ago Thursday, and as I sat by her bedside at the hospital, she was having trouble breathing, and she spoke in a very weak but also a clear voice about her journey and about the twists and turns that her path had taken especially toward her journey's end. You are on God's path, she says, and you think you have a pretty good idea of where it is going, and then it turns. And it's important to say that she was not resentful about this. She wasn't angry about it. She was just making an observation a recognition that it is God who determines our path. It is the good shepherd who leads the way. And sometimes that path carries us down into dark valleys that we would never choose for ourselves. The path of every person comes across peril and danger of some kind, but every path is also graced with amazing blessings for those who are ready to see them and ready to embrace them. On this All Saints Sunday, when we remember the saints who have paved trails for us and walked faithful paths before us, we can affirm through their eyes the safety and security and refuge that can be found along the way. On the path, there is love, there is devotion, There is faithfulness. The path leads us into the gentleness of green pastures and also into the challenges of illness. The path leads us across the peaks of our grandest successes and down through the hard scrabble gorges of our most painful failures. But the greatest gift that we are given by this ancient shepherd's psalm is the reminder that as we walk this path, We are never alone. That no matter how it may twist or turn, the Good Shepherd walks with us always, sharing in each and every moment with sighs too deep for words and love too great to comprehend. And when we arrive at the end, after we have traveled life's winding ways under the constant cloak of the goodness and mercy of God, we will take that final turn around that final bend and find ourselves at last in the house of the Lord where the psalmist says, we will dwell our whole life long. When the word came across the police radio that the little boy in the red jacket had been found, that he was safe and healthy, 
My mom cried tears of joy and relief in the cruiser where she was sitting. The officer driving the car turned and looked at her with a face that also bore relief, but also pain. I guess I can tell you now about the way this story usually ends, he said. I've never known one of these to have a happy ending until today. And it's true. Not every story ends the way that we would like it to end. Some paths seem to have more than their fair share of valleys. But I have found that even in the darkest places, even when we feel the most vulnerable, the Good Shepherd finds a way to create unexpected spots of calm and life-giving glimpses of light. And in those moments, we are reminded that the Good Shepherd walks with us always in goodness and mercy down the path that leads us all to our journey's end. Thanks be to God. Amen.